Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. In verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now we're going to come back to that in a second. But ladies, is there any ladies in this morning? No, like three ladies. Wow. All men. Is there any ladies in this morning? Yeah, hello. I know it's church, but you're allowed to smile. You're allowed to make some noise. That's okay. But ladies, I've got a question for you. Have you ever noticed how men love to step in? Especially when there's adoration to be had or, you know, some plaudits. Don't men love to step in, ladies, yeah? This is, is so true. I've even observed it in myself just a few weeks ago. I say just a few weeks, it was like three weeks ago. We were putting our Christmas decorations up in November. Yeah, that's right. Do the math. So we were, the, were those people on the street that people look at and like, already? Really? That's us. We were putting the Christmas decorations up and you could say that I had the role of, I don't know, creative lead. Um, Helen, that basically meant that Helen and the kids were doing the decorating and I was sat on the couch saying, that looks okay or maybe it doesn't look too good. Until it came to the point where the star needed to be put on the tree. Let me tell you, I stepped in. Helen was going to get the chair to finish the tree off. And I was like, no, babe, this is a man's job. <laughs> so let me tell you, I went, I got on that chair because I still needed to get on the chair. I, I, I got on the chair and I put that star on the tree like a man. I sat down, I looked at the, yeah, exa- yeah, you can clap. It's not about me. It's not about me, but this bit is about me. Um, I put that star on the tree like a, a, a man. I sat down and I looked at my creation. Let me tell you, I was proud. I was, I was pretty proud of myself. Us men, we love to step in and take the adoration. We love to step in and do that. We like to think that it was our idea, ladies. Is that true as well? When really we know it's actually our wives' ideas behind the scenes. Something else I've noticed about us men is this, that we love to stay away from mess. We like to stay away from the mess. I'm at that age. I've got a three-year-old little boy who was a sheep this morning. He's not actually a sheep. He is a boy. Um, three-year-old boy, you know, a one-year-old girl. Best kids ever. Love them so much. But I'm at that age where a lot of my friends are having children. And I've observed this with my friends, my male friends especially, when there's even the whiff of a dirty nappy. They take on a disappearing act that would rival any Las Vegas show. Let me tell you, they're out of there. It's quite amazing. Like I said, I've seen this in myself. Just the other week, Helen, Judah came home. He wasn't feeling very well on the couch until, this is a bit disgusting, the next moment, he was sick everywhere, like all over Helen, all over himself. And Helen's like, Josh, help. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I do nothing more than go and grab a bowl from the sink. Uh, that would have been great five minutes ago. But I, I didn't know what to do. She stripped them off and, I, and she gave me the clothes. And I do that thing that like 12-year-old girls do. Like, I'm going to be sick. Like, 
You know, when I'm holding the clothes, us men love to stay away from mess. We love to step in and take the adoration, but we love to stay away from mess. It's this passage of scripture we see in Romans 5. It shows us that God is the complete opposite to us men. Is anybody glad about that? The God's the complete opposite to us. See, the Christmas story is about God stepping in. It's about God calling time and a fight that we were losing. See, it shows us that Jesus left the comfort, the adoration, the luxury, the exuberance, and the safety of heaven to step in to our mess. So let's be real this morning. This is the opposite of what we do. We love to build our kingdom of comfort. We love to to stay in that comfort bubble that we build and sort of push the mess of the world away. Is that true, anybody? See, because this world that we live in, it, it is awesome, it's amazing, but also it's a bit of a mess. We know this. It's why there's people sleeping on our streets tonight. It's why there's people injecting things into the body to escape the mess of their lives. It's why people will have fights and fallouts all over our country tonight. Our world's awesome, but it's a bit of a mess. And this is the nativity story, that God stepped in to our mess. Let's look at Romans 5 again. In verse 6 it says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That word, powerless, you might be sat here this morning and you say, Powerless, Josh? That's not me. You don't know how much I bench press. You don't know how much money I've got in my bank. You don't know the car I drive, Josh. I'm not powerless. I'm powerful. See, the reality is this. That all of us are pretty powerless. See, we like to feel powerful, which is why we we compete. It's why we compare. It's why we strive to have the best house, the nicest car. The, high, the biggest salary we love to compare, and that makes us feel powerful. But I'm sorry to say today that it doesn't make you powerful. The reality is, one of the richest, most powerful men in our world, a man by the name of Steve Jobs, literally changed the world, came up against cancer at the age of 56 and died. He had thousands of staff reporting to him, he had billions of dollars, he, he had adoration from millions of people. People would say he was powerful. But when it came to the challenges of life, the mysteries of life, he realised he was powerless. I'm sorry to say it today, but no matter how much weight you bench press, what clothes you wear, what car you drive, it's no comparison for the mysteries of this life. See, the writer here, Paul, is not saying that Jesus just came for the weaklings. It's more like saying, we're all weaklings. (laughs) <laughs> Tweet that one out. Josh said we're all weaklings. I'm, what a great church arena is. It's got to get better. Verse 7, we move on. It says this, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. No, for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, I think Paul's quite assumptive here because I know plenty of people who wouldn't die for anybody. Anybody else? But we do know there's those amazing people in our world, in our military and things like that who do die and do lay their lives down for people. But to lay your life down for a stranger, and not just a stranger, but for a, what we would perceive as a bad person, 
in our society, in our world today, that's crazy. That's ludicrous. The idea of lying, of, of dying, of laying your life down for a drug dealer, for, for that thief, for that person who hurt you, it doesn't even come on our radar. I mean, we're so good at making enemies, aren't we? Never mind dying for them. Like, I don't know about you, but if I drive into Nottingham in Russia, like, I've made three more, I've had three more to my list, my little black book. <laughs> we push people away. The people we don't understand, we, we don't like. And we make enemies out of people. See, the point I'm making here is that not, not only would we not die for someone that we perceive as a bad person, but we do the opposite. We shun them, we push them away, we hate them. Paul, he says... He uses this offensive language here. He says, while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. Now, if I was there with Paul, I'd be like, Paul, just, sorry, just stop you there. I think you just said we were still sinners. I think you just called me a sinner, Paul. Is that right? Yeah, Josh. No, no, Paul, you don't know me. Because none of us like to be called sinner, do we? It's offensive. If I was at your house and we sat down for a nice meal and you just brought... You know, the Christmas pudding out saying, you know, Chris Dogdale, you're such a sinner. I, I, don't, I don't think it'd go down too well, but that's what Paul's doing here. He says, while we were still sinners, he brings us all in on it. See, what Paul's been doing up to this point in Romans, we're at Romans 5, so sort of the middle of the book. The start of the book, 1, 2, 3, and 4, Paul has been building a case for who qualifies as a sinner. And we see that the people who qualify for a sinner is everyone. In Romans 3, 23, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, before you fall out with me here, people take this sin word and get super hyped up, crazy about it. But what it means is this, is to fall short of God's best or to miss the mark. See, it does seem offensive, but when you ask the question another way, I think we understand that it is the case. Because if I say this morning, who here is perfect? If you're perfect, lift your hand. No one in the right mind would do that, would they? We all know we're not perfect. You see, and we worship a perfect God. God is perfect. So if you just aren't perfect for one second of one day in your entire life, then you have fallen short of God's best, therefore qualify as a sinner. See, we all know our deepest, darkest thoughts. We all know what we've done, where we've been, where we've messed up. We know we aren't perfect. We know that. We know we missed the mark. Paul's just reminding us of the reality of who we are. He's showing us that we're not perfect, that we've messed up, that we've got it wrong. But he's also showing us that your imperfections are not big enough to stop you taking on God's perfection. That's what he's showing us. See, I want you to understand this today. Jesus didn't die for you at your best. He died for you at your worst. In Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus is on the cross. People are laughing at him, spitting on him, making jokes out of him, literally killing him. He's on the cross and he says this. I hate this line. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Uh, there's just some lines in the Bible, let's be real, that I'd love to take a marker pen to and go, nah. Because what I want Jesus to, I'm like, Jesus, don't forgive them, kill them. <laughs> Anyone, I, I mean, I'd like to see you in your work and someone cuts you up. I've never, ever seen anybody go, 
Father, forgive them. <laughs> Never seen it. Never seen it to this day. See, because our way is to get justice through punishment. But Jesus on the cross is showing us that his way is to bring freedom through forgiveness. See, this God is so much better than you. This God is so much bigger than us. This God is so much higher than us. That even when he's in his hardest, worst moment, when he's going through excruciating pain, he still says, Father, forgive them. See, Jesus died for you when you didn't care about him, when you walked away from him, when you made jokes about him, when you ridiculed others for following him, when you were a mess, when you were broken. He died for you then, at your worst, not at your best. You can't earn this. You can't work your way to this. This is the free gift of God. This is amazing. See, this is the gospel that God stepped into your mess. To set you free. See, we see Paul saying that we're all sinners as negative, but he's saying it as a positive. He's telling us God's forgiveness is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon him. There's this word in this passage which is so, so important. It says this, Christ demonstrated. Christ demonstrated. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that Christ demonstrated his love. Aren't we brilliant at saying we'll, we'll do something and then forgetting? Aren't we great at saying we'll love someone? or we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to start that charity next year. I'm going to give money to that person next year. And we just forget, don't we? We're, we're great at saying things. We're not so good at demonstrating. See, I'm so thankful that Jesus is way better than us. If it was me, I'd wimp out of that cross and opt for comfort. But Jesus did not do that. He didn't just confess his love, he proved it by demonstrating it for you and for me. I've pretty much finished. But you might be sat here this morning thinking, this is all great, Josh, this is, this is all nice. I, I like where you're coming from, but this, it's just not the right moment for me. You don't know what I'm going through, you don't know my issues. But the opening line of our text this morning, I think it proves different. It says this, At just the right time. At just the right time. I believe today you're here for a reason. I believe that this is just the right time for you, that this is your moment. See, if what I've said is true, if Jesus did die for you and raise again so that you could live a life with him, surely this cannot be missed. Surely it can't be put off. I don't know about you, but I think this God is worthy of knowing, worthy of following. Here's the truth. God came to this earth so that you could have a personal relationship with him, so that he could help you with your hurt, so he could walk with you and lead you into a life that's far bigger than you. I believe that today is the day. This is not something that can be put off. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. As I said before, you're not praying, you're just giving people their privacy. 